Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. On this week's show, there's a whole lot going on in the DCEU. Harrison Ford gets set to add the MCU to his extensive resume. Netflix is bringing us a show about Blockbuster, which just seems a little mean. And the rest of trailer time gets way too musical for my liking. Join us as we discuss all this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hello, my name is Kev, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek Centric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys and collectibles, gaming, and all things Geek Centric. We're back with another edition of This Week in Geek, where we look at all the latest news and trailers from the Geekiverse. Of course, I can't do this alone. Joining me on the show, you'd never find these guys in a blockbuster discount bin. Their opinions are keepers, and their takes are always a win. What's up, Nate and Darcy? How are you today? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I hope I wouldn't be found in a discount bin. Uh, I like to think that I'm a pretty fresh, new, you know, entertainment uh, commodity for folks. You know, at least maybe one generation behind in on the. You know, maybe I'm on a PS4, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, like we try and keep the news as as fresh and relevant as possible. So we wouldn't want to be talking sure. about things that uh, you know could be found in in a discount bin. But I have to say. <laughs> As a uh, you know, a longtime DVD collector back in the day, uh, I found so many great deals going through those discount oh, yeah. bins. I mean, I added dozens and dozens of movies to my collection and got really good at using a little soap and water to get the gigantic stickers that Blockbuster oh, would stick all over <laughs> those things. Uh, the discs themselves never really looked all that good, but, you know, the, the, the rest of it, you know, I don't need to buy Baby Mama for $20, but if I can get it for $2.99, I'm getting it because anything <laughs> is welcome in my DVD collection. At least that was my philosophy back in the day. Yeah, I think I actually I oh, I wish I could find it. I think I actually have a Blockbuster DVD that I just never returned. So it's, it's in like the, it's Blockbuster in that blue went away. And yellow case. Like, yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Even I wish I had like one of those for the case. Right? Or for you the show. find one. I've got an N64 cartridge that I don't know where the case is for it, but it's got that Blockbuster sticker right across the back <laughs> so of it. Good. So like that was my my go-to for renting games when I was younger. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I still do miss going to Blockbuster on a Friday night with, you know, some friends or family, picking out a couple movies for the night, getting a big old bag of popcorn. I mean, it's, you know, it's so much easier now to just watch whatever you want, but it's not as fun as going up and down the aisles you know, or going in on a Tuesday, which was movie release day, and hoping that they still had a copy of the newest movie that you wanted to rent in there on the shelves. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about. You know, moving to the streaming platform, yeah, there's something magical about uh, discovering. I think for me, the the part that's sort of, I guess we we kind of try to bring it back with Whatcha, and and I know a lot of podcasts with like what they're watching and what they would recommend. But I think that's I kind of miss that the most is is you know the blockbuster staff was always people that loved movies. That's why they worked there. for the most part. Sometimes they were just you know, annoying teenagers that couldn't give two craps. But <laughs> but most of the time, they, they were people that loved movies just as much as the people going into those those uh, rental stores or whatever, right? So it's like, 
to get those recommendations were always so it was awesome. You you would find out about movies or series that you never would have even thought about. And I I, I don't quite know if if AI has quite figured that out yet. The the whole idea of like, hey, you watch this, so you'll like this sort of thing. I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't feel the same. Some of those recommendations make absolutely no sense. Yeah. But but it, and it only gets worse if somebody borrows your account and yeah. starts watching stuff you'd never watch, oh, and then dude. all of a sudden the recommendations just get. You know, just terrible. If I get, you know, all of a sudden I'll I'll have twelve animes recommended for me, and you know, it's like I don't check them think out. I was watching something that uh... check them out. They're probably pretty good. So I gotta say, you know what? Maybe, maybe. Um, uh, and all I can think about now is that episode of Seinfeld where they have the they have the movie store. Um, and Elaine really likes this yeah, one employee's recommendation. She falls in love with the guy based on his pics, and he turns out to be a teenager living with his mother. <laughs> so good. Uh, good stuff. But uh, on that note, I think it's time that we move right on into the news. It's all about the details. All right. Our first story comes from Germaine Lucier at Gizmodo. According to a new report that dives into the possible future of DC, Man of Steel 2 is back in play, along with more Batman villain films and a Wonder Woman 3 update. In the wake of this week's release of Black Adam, a new Superman film starring Henry Cavill is in very early development with Warner Brothers. The idea of Cavill, uh, Cavill sorry, returning as Superman has been everywhere the past few weeks, with Black Adam star Dwayne Johnson heavily hinting that the character could have a cameo in the film. A potential cameo would mark the official return of the character, and as a result, the next step would be a new movie. Whether that's an official Man of Steel 2 or something having to do with Black Adam, time will tell. Apparently, writers are currently being sought after for a new Superman movie, uh, and that is independent of the Ta-Nehisi Coates Superman film, which is also being worked on currently. Uh, in the Batman news, it's already been confirmed and made official that Matt Reeves is making its sequel and is also full seat ahead on the Penguin show for HBO Max. But a new report says more shows and movies are in very early stages of gestation, set in the Robert Pattinson Bat universe. Examples are characters ranging from Scarecrow to Clayface to Professor Pig. Will Batman be a part of those? (laughs) Will they even happen? Again, nothing is official, but it's possible. Uh, Patty Hankins is apparently ready to send in an early treatment for Wonder Woman 3, which marks the first update on that film in some time. Plus, a script to The Flash 2 has already been completed. If that film turns out to be a hit, or if Ezra Miller stays out of prison. Um, And then James Gunn, the filmmaker behind Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy movie, as well as Warner's DC-based The Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, is angling for his own new DC project or two. Apparently Gunn and producer Peter Safran are in talks with Warner's for a mystery movie and possibly more. Safran has worked with DC in the past, being a producer on Shazam and its upcoming sequel, as well as Aquaman and that movie sequel. It isn't clear what hero or team's gun is targeting, however. Uh, so which of these, I guess we'll call them four different uh, sort of big DC news to come out this week, are you most excited for? Honestly, I, I, would, I would love to say the next Man of Steel with, with Henry Cavill, but... I just, I just, I'm too, af- I'm too worried to do that so soon. Um, I think it's a little soon to get excited for that um, without full confirmation. And just with everything that's going on at Warner Bros, it just, for me, it's just like, 
again, it, it, it kind of breaks your geek heart because while I'm not necessarily a huge DC fan from before the Nolan trilogy, like that's kind of where I started getting into DC with, with his Batman movies, you know, it's just one of those things where I, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for the stuff with the Batman. I think I'm most excited for whatever James Gunn is doing. I love Peacemaker. Um, and I, I just want more of that. I think he gets it. I think he's, he's one of the few people who do get it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The Matt Reeves Batman stuff, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to James, whatever James Gunn does too. He, he has yet to disappoint me in terms of comic book movies. Uh, but, uh, honestly, the Matt Reeves has me more excited because the world we got introduced to in, uh, the Batman was so incredible and so rich and gritty with like right for cool villain stories that just getting the word that we're going to be exploring some of these other villains in a much more realistic setting i'm all for it and really excited for that type of thing yeah i'm definitely on board with you there darce uh i i i think the idea of building out gotham with all of these villains and really giving them time to shine in their own movies that that will hopefully feature batman in maybe a limited role before they maybe all come together in a future batman project i just think the potential there and and just the potential we saw coming out of, uh, you know, the Batman. Uh, I wonder, though, with some of the suggested villains, such as Clayface, how does that work in an ultra-realistic sort of superhero world like we saw in that first uh, Batman movie? Um, you know, whereas a Scarecrow, uh, if you do it in a similar way to how uh, Nolan did it in his universe. I think that could work. So I'm very interested in that. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely most interested about seeing the the Pattison Bat universe expanded. Um, and I'll I'll just I'll lay off saying anything about Superman having seen um, Black Adam one way or the other. I don't want to 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 hint or, that something could be happening or break any dash any hopes or dreams. So I will leave that one uh, be for now. Maybe maybe Clayface is just like the head of like a pharmaceutical skincare company <laughs> or something like that. He's like an that. actor in the comics. And after, oh, a, is he? after a, a face marring accident, he turns to chemicals and drugs to try and maintain his visage again. And that just goes poorly and poorly. And he becomes okay. a blob of clay essentially. <laughs> so I could, they could, you know, if they're giving us the origins of that character, that seems a little more realistic than like, you know, the clay face from like the Harley Quinn animated series mm -hmm. or whatever, right? So, um, although if we got him too, I wouldn't be too upset. But, um, but yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see kind of the, the route that they take. Well, who was the other one, Kevin, that you said the, the pig, the pig guy? Professor Pig. I had to look him up. I'd never <laughs> heard of him. Pig. I don't remember seeing him in the, the animated series from the 90s. Dars, any 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 inside info on that character? Uh, from what I can remember, again, I'm not the biggest DC fan e uh, either, but Batman would be one of the titles I'd pick up regularly. I believe Professor Pig was a, a body modification guy, and it was all about uh, like using animal parts to increase his henchmen's you know fighting capabilities and stuff like that. It's again, I might be remembering the wrong thing. There are so many different comic book heroes out there, but I'm pretty sure it was a body mod 
doctor was Oof, his, his know, whole thing. In a, in a horrifying way, I could see that fitting into yeah. the Matt yeah. Reeves universe, I think. I think they could get really gritty and dark mm-hmm. and, and just unsettling with that. Um, absolutely. I love how all three of us have sort of just skipped over the news that there is a uh, Wonder Woman <laughs> 3 in development. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, I just think uh, the second one was just... Just not quite uh, the kind of movie that Such gets you excited for a third. It sucks because the first one, honestly, was like it was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. It was it, I went into it with lower expectations and came out with much higher results. And the the second one, I was just like, oh, cool, they're going for a different vibe. They're going for a different sort of you know uh, feeling, and it just falls so flat. And 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 I just, especially with everything that Patty Jenkins has been doing lately, I don't know, man. I I, I can't. I don't know if I can just fully invest back in that. And it was one of those things where, you know, coming from the Star Wars side, when they said that we're no longer moving forward uh, with the Rogue Squadron movie that she was doing, I was kind of like, yeah, maybe maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's okay at this point. Um, but I, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe it'll maybe it'll surprise us. But I, I it kind of it kind of feels like, especially with it being the third one, that it's kind of like, well. It just has to happen now. It's the third one. That's what we've set up to do. We're doing three. So we'll just finish it off. And I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Only time will tell. I think I think it's quite obvious. I mean, we would know this beforehand, but I think it's quite uh, uh, obvious for anybody who's listened to us in the past or even listening now. We're far more uh, invested in the MCU than we are the DCEU. And yeah. I think... You know, as this must be great news for diehard fans of the DCEU, they, you know, who just want to see their favorite characters on the screen more. But I just think this goes to show there's just too many different directions that they're going in with this. And every time it seems like they're reining it in and getting focused, it's no, there's three different iterations of this character and six different storylines. And it's just, there's no cohesive bond that that makes everything feel like it's working together cohesively. And that, for me, really does sort of limit excitement for any upcoming project. Yeah, I mean, all this news does is remind me of all the other times that they've said, oh, and we've got, we're working on a, a Flash movie is going to be coming out. And you're like, great. And then it's like, how many years has it been? And we still don't have this Flash movie, right? And they, they've made so many promises that they've just completely dropped. And it just... It just sucks. Like again, it's just one of those things where where I just I I just want them to just somehow sell DC to Disney and just make it happen already. It, it's you know, it's it'll be the right hands, it's the right thing to do, it's what everyone will want, I promise you. Um, but I don't know, man. Maybe maybe they can turn it around. I, I hope. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. You know, maybe by the year 2030, we'll be talking about the DCEU in a positive light. Uh, But you did mention selling it to Disney, who obviously, uh, and of course, runs the MCU. And so that uh, is a perfect lead in for our next story here, which comes from Matt Grobar at Deadline. Harrison Ford is set as General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross for Captain America New World Order and will star opposite Anthony Mackie. It's official. We'd heard rumors for a few weeks. Uh, The internet was abuzz. But Oscar nominee Harrison Ford, obviously of the Indiana Jones and Star Wars franchises, will be taking over the Marvel role of General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, beginning with Phase 5 title Captain America New World Order. He'll star there opposite Anthony Mackie with Shira Haas, Tim Blake Nelson, and Carl Lumbly, also amongst the ensemble. 
Ford's Captain America casting had been in the rumor mill for some time, with the anchor's Jeff Snyder among those speaking of it uh, as of late. While the new film's plot is being kept under wraps, Mackie will reprise his role as Sam Wilson, who assumed the mantle of Captain America in Disney Plus's hit series The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Julius Ona will serve as the pick's director. Ford's General Ross is a top-ranking military official, first introduced in the Marvel Comics in 1962, who comes to lead the team of antiheroes known as the Thunderbolts. The actor assumes the role last played by Oscar winner William Hurt in films ranging from 2008's The Incredible Hulk through to 2021's Black Widow prior to his passing in March of this year at uh, the age of 71. Falcon creator uh, Malcolm Spellman wrote the script for the upcoming superhero pick with the show's staff writer Dallin Moosen um, and will produce alongside Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. Captain America New World Order is the fourth film set for Marvel's Phase 5 with titles including Thunderbolts and Blade to follow. This movie is slated for release on May 3rd, 2024. Uh, so how do we feel, guys? He's putting down the blaster. He's uh, hanging up the whip for good. But uh, Harrison Ford is now joining another mega franchise. Uh, how do we think he's going to do in the role? And do we think it's a uh, suitable replacement for William Hurt? I'm really looking forward to seeing what he brings to the character. I think it'll be uh, a very uh, grizzled uh, take on it you know again fed up with you know everything he's had to put up with the, the snap and all the heroes since then the Sokovia Accords uh, I think it's interesting the fact that he Harrison Ford chose to step away from those two other franchises that you listed earlier and he's stepping into this one where they probably have a, a five-year plan for at least this character to go so it's uh, it's interesting to see the 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 dedication that he's uh, signed on for for at least what the character entails yeah, it'll, it'll be it, – well, and you, that's interesting you say dedication that he signed on for, Darcy, because I, I kind of agree with you in the sense that I'm like, cool, so is he going to Red Hulk out and then die by the end of this movie? Um, because I, I just – for me, it's one of those things where like – don't get me wrong. I'm sure they're giving him a, a, a gross amount of cash uh, to do this, and I'm sure Harrison Ford loves money, but it's just one of those things where I just – you know, he's he's finally getting to the end of the Indiana Jones saga, right? He's out of Star Wars, and then he signs up for Marvel. Like, it just doesn't seem like a move, to, from what I know of Harrison Ford, uh, that he'd be down to be signing up for, like, a multi-movie deal. So it kind of leads me to think that, like, this will, this will be the last movie that we do see him in that might then... And is Thunderbolts happening, sorry, prior to this or after this movie? According to the article, um, which was just the other day, because I know they keep they've they've they keep recently done a reshuffling, but the the article was just a, a day or so ago, uh, as of this recording, and it says Thunderbolts is to follow. So I almost right. feel like his appearance yeah. there is meant to set that up, um, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm just not sure how you do that show without him or movie, whatever it's going to be, without him having some sort of a presence there. But but I mean, what if I guess the idea is like we see the we see the setup for the Thunderbolts through this movie and something to do with his death, with the character's death is what drives that narrative forward, Um, almost as if that was sort of a pseudo sequel, at least for that part of the storyline. I just again, it's one of those things where I'm just like, 
The happiest I've ever seen Harrison Ford was when he did come on at San Diego Comic-Con for The Force Awakens. And I think he was stoked because he knew that he was going to die in the movie. And so that's probably why he was so happy was he's like, I'm finally out. I'm finally away from this character. And I'm sure he loves it for sure. But but it's just one of those things where I just, again, it just feels weird to see him coming into this, uh, coming into the MCU. I mean, like he's wanted Harris, he's wanted Han Solo to die since Empire Strikes Back, and I think the only way they got him in Force Awakens was to promise him it's a one and done, and then I mean, even then he still comes back for uh, Rise of Skywalker for that limited role, and I think here that's what the the role can be. It can be a very limited presence that he has in any given right. appearance. Um, and, you know, when you see the pride that he seemed to have for this fifth Indiana Jones movie, um, I believe, was it at Star Wars Celebration this year where he came out and sort of mm-hmm. got to talk about that? And so maybe there's something in the script, maybe there's something about the character that they were really able to sell him on to say, listen, it's not going to be a ton of work. You know, uh, you're not a, a, a leading character in in any given appearance that you would have. Um but this is what you have to work with. And he thought it'd be fun to sort of do. Maybe it's an homage to William Hurt. I'm not sure if they had a relationship, you know, uh, working in the industry together. So uh, I but I, I don't think he's just simply here for a quick paycheck, one and done sort of thing. I do think there there has to be something a little bit deeper here. Potentially. I mean, again, it could it could be that he's on for this and then Thunderbolts. Um, but I just I, I, I just have a hard time believing that he's like, I'm going to be in the MCU going forward uh, in so many of these projects that are happening. But um, I, I'm wondering if this is going to be, are they going to approach it? Because they can go one of two ways, right? They can go the way of, uh, you know, the, the Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle, the, the Norton to Ruffalo way of being like, we just recast him. Where nobody's going to say anything. There's going to be no reference to it whatsoever. Or do you guys think that he's, they're going to go the multiverse route and and bring in a different, uh, you know, multi universes, um, you know, Thaddeus Ross. What do you what do you think? Do you think he's going to think they're going to go that route, or do you think? Because I know I know Justin was suggesting that maybe he he's just Red Hulk right away, and it's it's more of a CG implementation. But then why would you get Harrison Ford for a a CG version of no? Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I think he's got to be just, they're just doing a, uh, the same Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle thing. It makes sense being a Hulk yeah. actor that they just kind of gloss over that. I mean, look at Mark Ruffalo. That's, he took over with no one batting an eye, basically. So I have a feeling it's going to be along those lines. Because with Captain America New World Order, it feels like it's very much going to be a story about what's going on in our world or in at least in their world with all the superpowers becoming more mm-hmm. widely spread and stuff like that. And bringing in the multiverse into that, I feel like would kind of just too much on the plate at that point. <laughs> right. We're muddling it a bit too much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're, it's one of those things where we'll just have to wait. Um, the movie doesn't come out till 2024. So there's lots of Ugh. time for them to figure it out and, and things could change by then who knows, but uh, no, I think just, on a base level, uh, Harrison Ford is is um, you know in my top three, if not my absolute favorite actor of all time. And so to see him join what is you know the best franchise in the world going today is is I'm excited for it. Whether it's a one time appearance, if it's a few limited ones, uh, I'm just excited to see him join the the cast of the MCU. I just can't wait to see him put up with the with the press. <laughs> 
for these movies, just like, like, so it, you know, in the comic books, because originally with Thaddeus Ross, and and he's just like, I don't fucking care, like, I don't care about <laughs> yeah. any of this. Like, sh- and he'll say, who, who are you talking about? I don't <laughs> who know are you what you're talking about. <laughs> Was he in this movie? <laughs> so. And and maybe like that's another deal with Feige, where it's kind of like, listen, we won't have you do any of the press. You don't yeah. have to sit down and talk about <laughs> yeah. anything. You're not expected to know anything. The stars like Mackie will carry the the burden of that. Yeah. Just come on yeah. and have some fun. <laughs> who knows? So, uh, yeah. Awesome. Well. Speaking of, uh, you know, coming on and uh, joining uh, an all-star cast, our final story comes from Bruce Herring at Deadline. Sister Act 3 is in motion as Whoopi Goldberg reveals who she'd like to cast. Uh, If Whoopi Goldberg has her way, there will be a lot of new habit-wearing sisters in Sister Act 3. Appearing on Comedy Central's Hell of a Week with host Charlemagne the God, Goldberg listed Lizzo, Kiki Palmer, and Nicki Minaj as among those (laughs) she'd like to bring to the third edition of the film comedy. Goldberg said the script for the new film will be delivered by the end of the month. Uh, I want everybody, she said when asked about casting. I want as many people who want to have some fun because I really desperately need to have some fun. The original Sister Act did more than $231 million worldwide at the box office, with its sequel, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, uh, bringing in around $125 million worldwide. Oscar winner Goldberg will be back in her very vocal role, originated in the first Sister Act from 1992. Tyler Perry is also on board as a producer on the project. Goldberg is also producing the new sequel. Sister Act 3 will debut on Disney+. Plus. Um, so... I don't know about you guys. I grew up just loving the Sister Act movies. Um, uh, and so to see a third one is great. And I actually think her casting suggestions could be a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. Like, oh my gosh. I'm I'm so stoked for this. I think we've talked on the podcast a little while ago about like the Sister Act franchise and just how much it's just one of those movies that you can just go back and rewatch over and over again, first one and the second one. For me personally, I'm a bigger fan of the second one than the first one, but I get I get why the first one gets its flowers. But, um, dude, I it's funny because I thought that Kiki Palmer was already completely uh, in. Um, I thought I'd read somewhere, but I did because I did see on The View um, where she was saying, like, she she was talking to Whoopi and she's like, yeah, Tyler Perry, Perry's doing Sister Act 3. I just want to let you know I'm available for any job. I'll be a janitor, whatever you want in the movie or something. <laughs> and, and then Whoopi like looks at her. Go, everything goes quiet. And she goes, I already brought it up. And like you just see Kiki Palmer's face just light up like so bright. And I'm, I was so it's such a delightful little clip if you look it up. Um, and I, it makes a ton of sense. I, I think um, the poster, if. I think Kiki Palmer posted the poster treatment and it has her name on there. So she's definitely in. But, dude, freaking let's get Lizzo as well. I think this is the year of Lizzo. Lizzo's doing everything these days. It's ever since she started playing the the glass flute from that dead president, she's just been blowing up all over the Internet. And uh, and rightly so, because she's so talented. Uh, and that would be such a fun, a fun get for this movie. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, Dars, I know you're not a Sister Act guy. I don't think you've probably even seen the movies. But if not the third all. one is set to to come on Disney Plus, would you would you go check out the first two just to watch the new one, or is this something that you don't really need to get too invested in? I, I mean, I'm sure I'd check it out. I I 
liked a lot of Whoopi's movies growing up when I was younger. Just Sister Act was never one I got into, and I've heard good things about it. So there's definitely potential for me to get into it. And if this, if three is going to have such a star-studded cast, it'll definitely be more incentive for me to at least check out the third one, if not fall in love with the franchise from the beginning. So yeah, definitely nice. potential there. And all I know is you better, you best be bringing back my girl. I talked about mm. her a couple of weeks when we were talking about Hocus Pocus. Uh, my girl, Kathy Najimy, better be coming back to give that operatic uh, singing Please. style. She is hysterical in those movies, uh, and I and I really hope to see her again. It would be so good. And honestly, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Lauren Hill again, I think would be a really cool way for them to just sort of continue through the, the bringing back some of that as those aspects of the sequel. And it's going to be interesting to see where they go from like a story perspective. Like, I don't even know, like, I have no idea. You say the word sister act three and I'm like, I don't know what that means. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm you, so you, cool. you tossed around off air before we started recording the title kick in the habit. Uh, and I love the idea. Maybe, maybe somebody's you know uh, dealing with the addiction of some sort, right? And okay. They need to they need to bring that sisterly spirit into it to to help somebody overcome an issue like that. Uh, I think I like that, that could absolutely work. Bring it back to like a more sort of a smaller cast, more personal story between between these characters. I could yeah, I could see that happening. Maybe a road trip movie. Do we do a road trip movie? There we go. Okay, Let's go. Okay. Taking it on the road. Like they go to different churches. Dude. Nice. Dude. Different nice. schools, different like youth programs. I'm so down. I just okay, can't Disney, wait. I can't Disney, wait. Tyler Perry, hit us <laughs> up. We'll we'll, uh, we'll have a little brainstorming yeah. session, okay? <laughs> awesome. So good. All right. Well, in, in a bit of sadder news, uh, this last mm. week we lost two incredibly impactful performers from our childhoods. Robbie Coltrane passed away at the age of 72. He's most famously known for portraying Hagrid in the Harry Potter series of films. Uh, as well, Angela Lansbury also passed away at the age of 96. Uh, while she might best be known for her starring role in the TV crime series Murder, She Wrote, she's perhaps mm. most fondly remembered as Mrs. Potts from 1991's Beauty and the Beast, uh, in which she famously sang the titular song, Beauty and the Beast, which won the Academy Award for Best Song at the Oscars that year. Uh, so, you know, two two just such integral parts of our childhood growing up uh, in in just movies that I still watch, you know, uh, you know, f quite regularly to this day. Uh, it's always tough to lose those iconic people from our lives, um, especially when yeah they just they leave such a lasting impact. Yeah, it's especially you know, it's just one of those things where I think, especially for for Robbie, um, where. I think his presence is still so felt as the character of Hagrid just because those movies live on and, and keep... I, I saw a post um, just a few days ago on Instagram of somebody had just left flowers at the Harry Potter world uh, outside of Hagrid's hut. And I just was like, that that hit me. And I was just like, yeah. And, and you can just see how much that character resonates with people still to this day. And it obviously it has everything to do with him he, he he brought that character to life so well and i just i keep i keep thinking back to and justin was telling me offline he's like yeah he, he can't stop replaying that um moment in the documentary the mm -hmm. the reunion documentary of him just saying you know this character is going to live on and and of course i won't but um and it's just like oh yeah J man. justin actually shared that on his uh on his twitter if you want to check that out because it is it is a really poignant clip to to sort of watch now um 
and just to see how much the role meant to him and how special it was that he could do that so it's you know for his children and and for generations to come and and I think he was really proud of the lasting legacy that he'll have with that role. Yeah, totally. It is it sucks to see him go, but again, the character of Hagrid will live on forever. And as a fan since I one of the first books I read was Harry Potter, so seeing him bring the character to life in that first movie and then continue to do so every movie after that, I I can't wait to share that with, you know, my niece girl going forward or anyone who I want to share the love of uh, Harry Potter, Hagrid will be a part of. So uh, that's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's in it again. It's one of those things where it just makes you want to go back and, and rewatch all of his performances and mm-hmm. all of the moments with him. And um, obviously, you know, rewatching Harry Potter for a lot of people is a thing that they do anyways, but even more so, uh, I think with this, with this, his passing. Yeah. When I, when I heard the news, I thought, oh boy, I, I just did it about four or five months ago. Am I, am I really going to go back and, and do it again? But uh, it's, it's, it's certainly, I generally do it around the Christmas time, but it'll mean a bit It'll be it'll mean a bit something different uh, this time around and and times going forward I think and for me I think like I th- the moment that always hits me is like I think him just talking with with Hermione I think and working through you know her problems of 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 her birth situation and just that you know again those those moments where I'm just like without that actor without that warmth i don't know if that scene would be as good or as resonant as as it was um it was so good uh, as for angela um i can't wait to see her in glass onion um in in mm-hmm. the the new knives out mystery i'm i'm excited to to kind of see what she does in that movie and she she worked man like she had so many like yes she was mrs potts in in um the beauty and the beast she was Mrs. Potts in literally any other portrayal that, I, that you could think of. Of if it was like if it was like a game, like like she was in um, Kingdom Hearts and she was in like you know Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas, uh, like literally just so many different things. Um, the Magical Ballroom game, like everything there. And then even to kind of more recently, like we see her in Nanny McPhee. Um, she's just she's always just been such a, a staple of the industry and of course murder she wrote is just it's fantastic like my mom watches that show all the time and i just like i i find myself like being like i don't know if i if i'm gonna get into this and i sit down i'm like this is freaking good like, oh you're so you good. are not sitting down for an episode of of murder she wrote and not finishing that song Correct. not mm-hmm. a chance my nana used to watch it and so i'd watch it with her yeah. all the time absolutely it's so good and then you know uh my wife and i uh, getting married at Disney, my wife actually walked down the aisle to to Beauty and the Beast, and so that song's always, yeah. you know, that will have going forward. Will always have a very special and fond place in my heart, and so I'll always give a little thought to uh, Mrs. Lansbury for her excellent work uh, bringing that to to such, you know, to to, to life. But uh, why don't we? Get on, you know, you were talking about a road trip uh, earlier there with Sister Acne. Why don't we have a little road trip? Head on down to the trailer park because I think it's trailer time. All right. Our first of two musical trailers is for Matilda the Musical, which is a musical fantasy comedy drama film directed by Matthew Warkus from a screenplay by Dennis Kelly, which is based on the stage musical Roald Dahl's Matilda by Kelly and Tim Minchin, which itself is based on the 1988 (laughs) novel Matilda by Roald Dahl. 
It tells the story of an extraordinary girl with a vivid imagination who dares to take a stand to change her story with, with miraculous results. This is the second film adaptation of the book after the 1996 film directed by Danny DeVito. The film stars Alicia Weir, Lashana Lunch, uh, Stephen Graham, Andrea Riseborough, and Emma Thompson as the dastardly Agatha Trunchbull. The film is scheduled for release in the United Kingdom on November 25th and in the United States on December 9th. Uh, I'm a big fan of the, the 1996 film, um, and and for me it's it's almost impossible to replace Danny DeVito in the role mm-hmm. of Matilda's father. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, Trunchbull is such an iconic character from that movie. But I think if anybody could pull it off, it's the almost unrecognizable mm-hmm. Emma Thompson. Yeah, holy crap! Yeah, she looks she looks fantastic in this uh, in this movie, and I'm I'm excited to to. I think that's maybe the only thing I'm <laughs> I'm kind of excited for with this is her portrayal um unfortunately and like don't get me wrong and we were kind of joking off air but like yeah i love myself a good musical but i think the biggest thing with this is it's just why like i i get that this is based more off the musical than the the 1996 movie but like you were saying dude like mara wilson danny devito Rhea perlman pam ferris are just that's matilda like and it's matilda for so many people still to this day and i get that it's been 26 years I just I can't, I can't help but keep thinking back to literally uh, a few weeks ago when we talked about Hocus Pocus too, right? And just how good they did with with sort of bringing that back. Why 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 wouldn't we approach it from that direction? Why would we maybe not want to try to continue you know continue the the Matilda franchise in a way? Um, I feel like that even if, though it's just as risky would yield just as good. Or sorry, it would yield better results than what this looks like. I, I just don't know if this needed to happen. I don't know. I, I don't know. That might have something to do with the, the rights of the estate of Roald Dahl and all that stuff, because it is based oh, okay. on his books. Books, and there was only the one Matilda book, I believe. Uh, I'm excited personally, just because I'm a fan of Tim Minchin. So if he's mm. behind the music in this, then I, I know I'm going to enjoy the musical aspect at least. And it's been a while since I've watched that '96 film, so. You know, a musical take on it, it does have me looking forward to uh, revisiting the story. Oh, I just looked up Tim Minchin, and <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. I just don't yeah. know. I love his comedy. I don't know how much of that comedy is going to make it into this musical, but uh, okay. Yeah, that's that's where I'm kind of on the fence, because you're <laughs> right, Darcy. The name alone gets you a little excited, and then it's, uh, but but, and I wonder, I don't know, I just, musicals that are made for the stage, then being filmed don't really, you know, resonate all that well with me. And so I just wonder if this wasn't something, because I know it was wildly successful um, critically as the musical on stage. Mm-hmm. And so I just wonder if it wasn't just best left there. Um, well, just because, Kevin, like, I, I think you're you're literally nailing it because <laughs> the, the idea is that you go to the musical and you're like, most people are probably experiencing that. I guess they're experiencing that musical after they've watched the movie, most likely. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, this is reminding me a little bit of the movie. But then why would we go back to a movie to then remind us of the musical? Or, of, you know what I mean? Like, they were just, there were so many moments where I was just like, I watched this trailer and I was just like, oh, cool. Yeah, I want to watch the original now. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Um, or even, so I just, or oh. even a filmed version of the actual stage. Show sure. like they did with Hamilton. Yeah, I Hamilton. can see that doing a lot be better. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Sorry. We'll have to. We'll have to see. Um, 
But uh, again, uh, I would watch it probably just to see Emma Thompson here because she looks incredible, and I always love her work. Now, there we go. Our next musical trailers for a movie that I, I'll admit I'm a little bit more excited for. Um, just based on uh, the two lead members of the cast. It's for Spirited, which is a Christmas-themed musical comedy film directed by Sean Anders and written by Anders and John Morris. The movie will be a musical reimagining of the classic Christmas ghost story, A Christmas Carol. The film is headlined by Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell, and Octavia Spencer. The film is scheduled for release in select cinemas on November 11th before its streaming release on November 18th on Apple TV+. Um, you know, before we get into the trailer itself, I just remember a uh, a TikTok that went uh, pretty viral a little while ago, and it was um, it was uh, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell singing that uh, was is it Misha Grace Kelly Grace Kelly Grace yes. Kelly by uh, Mika. oh yeah <laughs> but yeah and and that was a lot of fun and so I think if they have even an ounce of the charisma and 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 sort of um, chemistry that they had in that this movie could really work. I hope so. I. I, first off, sorry, before I get into the trailer, it's funny that, you know, um, that you mentioned that TikTok um, because off your recommendation, Kevin, I actually f- have fallen head over heels for something related to sports. Um, I've fallen in love with Welcome to Wrexham so much, and it is absolutely – I finished watching the first season. I love it so much, and it's so wonderful. The, f- the way that they don't just focus on the sports, but they focus on the people behind it is awesome. Anyways, in one of the episodes, though, Will Ferrell does show up at one of the games, uh, and he's got, like, the gray, grayish hair. And so I was like, oh, okay, so maybe, maybe they were filming this movie. Because when I saw that moment in the documentary, I'm like, I, I guess celebrities are friends, and I get that they're comedy or they're comedians, so maybe they're friends. But getting to this trailer, I'm like, no, 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 no. They were absolutely filming this at that time, uh, and and Ryan invited him to a game. Um, dude, this looks fun. I I really really want to have uh, high spirits about this, um, but I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about the idea of revisiting this story. Again, uh, you know, with the Christmas Carol, you know, story, it does look like they're doing something a little bit different. And I do love myself a musical and I love Ryan Reynolds and I love Will Ferrell. And again, putting all this stuff on paper. Yeah, dude, absolutely. It sounds like a huge success. I just I'm a little worried about the writers and the directors for this coming off of things like um Dumb and Dumber 2 or the Daddy's Home franchise. Like these are just. I just don't know if the track record is there for me to put my full trust in this. Um, but if the two leads can carry the movie beyond its story, it will, it'll probably still be a good time to watch. I am super stoked for this one. Uh, Christmas yeah. Carol is one of my favorite Christmas stories. Every iteration of it I've, I've enjoyed, including the Jim Carrey one, but going back to the Disney <laughs> one and the Muppets one, like everything, it's a, it's a fun story. I've always really enjoy the aspect of looking at, you know, past, present, future, all that stuff. And this looks like it's going to do a fun twist on it, where it's going to be very self-aware and almost seems like a sequel almost to the original Christmas Carol story, where it's taking place, you know, 120 years later or whatever. So I am, I'm very intrigued. And again, the cast has me even more excited for it because again, with that little teaser, clearly they both have pipes and I can't wait to see them stretch those for this movie. Now, Dars, have you seen what is one of my favorite iterations of the story, uh, which is with Bill Murray called Scrooge? 
Yes. Yes, it's great. Yeah, again, every story, every version of this story I've enjoyed. I wanted even the Jim Carrey one you said. Mm-hmm, that's where he, mm-hmm. that's where he almost lost me. <laughs> even <laughs> the Jim that, Carrey that one. Uncanny Valley just ooh boy. The animation's a little bit strange on it. I I, I will <laughs> say, um, like I, I am kind of I did kind of dig in the trailer. We do get a taste of some of their ad libbing, and these two are masters of mm-hmm. ad libbing. Um, so with you know with with some of the moments there with the tap dancing, he's like I, I just in the middle I kind of messed up, and you, you can totally tell that that's not written ahead of time. And uh, and the whole like little Larry micro Mike super small <laughs> Steve like that's Will Ferrell a hundred percent. That's him. So again, as much as I'm a little bit worried about the writers, if these two have sort of brought themselves in and invested themselves in this story a little bit more. I'm hoping, I'm hoping they had a little bit more of a hand in it. Um, then it, it might just work for me. But um, dude, if Hugh Jackman shows up and does a musical cameo, that's it. That's all you have to tell me. And I'll, I'll be there. As long as he's one. not dressed like a pirate singing a Nirvana song. Okay. <laughs> I'll accept it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Or maybe that would be even better. I don't know. Well, you know what? If they're going to poke fun at it, then I would actually yeah, accept yeah. that. I'd actually be okay with that. Um, oh, once again, that uh, hits select cinemas on November 11th before its streaming release on November 18th, right in time for the Christmas season. And I will just quickly say, November 18th is a good time to start your Christmas stuff, okay? I was at the yep. store today. And I'm sorry, it's October 18th. I want Halloween decorations and Halloween stuff still in stores, not the barrage of Christmas stuff that they had at Costco. So that was a little disappointing. You got to wait till at least November 1st in my books um, before you start pimping the Christmas stuff. So November 18th is a wonderful time, in my opinion, to start your your holiday spirit for Christmas. It's right around when we do the... uh, the Santa Claus parade in Toronto. That's a that's always been sort of my like. Okay, it's Christmas time. Uh, rule of thumb. Yeah, I don't want to be seeing no Santa Clauses and elves walking around on Halloween. Okay, don't be putting on. <laughs> don't like if that's the new costume for kids now walking around. Like, come on, dude. No way. No, unless it's like a bloody Santa. Then maybe. Maybe. There we go. There yeah. we go. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll always find exceptions to the rule. <laughs> Alrighty, well, our final trailer is for Blockbuster, an upcoming American workplace comedy series created by Vanessa Ramos, who is a writer on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and an executive producer on Superstore. Uh, And it's funny because within the first 15 seconds of this trailer, I thought, man, this looks a lot like Superstore. (laughs) And so it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Based on the Blockbuster video rental brand, the series is set in the last Blockbuster video and explores what and who it takes for a small business to succeed. The series will star Randall Park and Melissa Fumero with a reoccurring role from my boy, J.B. Smoove. Uh, The series is the second time Netflix has used the Blockbuster brand, first being with the 2020 documentary film The Last Blockbuster, uh, which is completely unrelated to the 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 uh, the show we're talking about here. So it seems, um, yeah. It is slated to premiere on November 3rd on Netflix, and fingers crossed that we'll get uh, an early access to the show from our friends at Netflix Canada so we can give you the inside scoop before it's released. Uh, you know, we were talking off the, the top of the, the show here, boys, about our uh, relationships with Blockbuster. How are we feeling about this show? You know, coming uh, into this, yeah, exactly. It it feels like a perfect jumping on to point is something like Superstore. Like, it almost feels like we talked about that algorithm suggesting things. 
watch Superstore. If you're digging this trailer and you want to get a head start, watch Superstore. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of those same feels with this series. Um, you know, I, I think you know, I'm a huge fan of Randall Park. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Woo uh, in the MCU and Melissa Fumero. Give me give me Jimmy Woo and Auntie, uh, Amy Santiago. I almost said Auntie Santiago. Santiago. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Santiago any day. Um, this just looks so nostalgic. And I know we kind of talked a little bit about our, our, our blockbuster stories early on, but I just wanted to mention another one really quick of like seeing seeing the imagery in this just they've nailed the look of the store it's so perfect and got me so nostalgic and i remember being in a blockbuster as it was shutting down here in canada like they were literally like we were walking into the blockbuster and they were literally like tossing out signage <laughs> as we were walking in <laughs> and i remember at the time uh just there were a ton of current gen Xbox games for sale and i just kept like scooping them up for like whatever the cost was of like a rental and I remember talking with my cousin. She, I was talking to her about Avatar The Last Airbender. And she's like, oh, it's here on DVD for like 15 bucks, the complete series. And I was like, nah, I'll just stream it on Netflix. And I remember audibly <laughs> hearing a employee in the next row over heard me and just let out the like biggest sigh. And I felt so bad. <laughs> I felt so awful. Um, because, again, like as we were saying, a, a lot of these people that did work at Blockbuster – they cared about Blockbuster. Heck, I would probably if Blockbuster was huge right now, I'd probably be working at a Blockbuster. Um, so, yeah, man, this 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 they nailed the look of this. I'm I'm super stoked to just at least see that. I don't know if this is going to be like a Keenan show situation and we're going to get one season or two seasons of it, or if it is going to maybe run the gamut and give us a little bit more, but. I'm excited to check it out, dude. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. They've definitely nailed that quirky cast of characters in this uh, trailer. Introduced to everyone working there, and you can see it's got a lot of that the charm that Superstore has, and that it's the weirdos who work there that bring this place to life. So I, I'm definitely on board for you know going for a stroll down memory lane at a a local blockbuster. So I'm yeah I'm excited for this. Yeah, I'm I'm all for uh, the the traditional workplace comedy. Uh, I generally uh, tend to. To enjoy those shows um uh, randall park is just so likable um you know and his last uh sort of comedy series fresh off the boat is a really really underrated show in my opinion he and he brings so much heart and soul to that show that uh yeah i'm excited to see him you know generally we get him in just limited roles like what he does in the mcu and everything so anytime he can sort of carry something i think he's he's really well suited to that um, and like you said, Darcy, I think it's going to be the the cast of characters around him that really bring it to life. And I could easily see this going for three or four seasons, having a run like Superstore, right? You know, mm -hmm. this isn't something destined to go on for twelve seasons. But you know, if you if you find the right chemistry and and a decent uh, writing staff, I think I think there there can be some life here. And uh, I did I did sort of mention it in my open, but it is just so funny to me how Netflix keeps using yeah. the blockbuster name and you know when you look into the history of how uh blockbuster could have purchased netflix and thought oh no mm -hmm. this this is this would never work and yeah and here we are all these years later and netflix is making shows with the blockbuster title in it it's it's kind of crazy it's nuts and i i, I like it's interesting too because i thought when we first heard about this series being made i was kind i was a little bit looking forward to the idea of it being taking place in like the 2013 2014 timeline obviously that's not the case we see um Tyler Alvarez's character is recording on 
like what looks like maybe like an iPhone 12 Pro or 13 Pro. And there's also a reference to Space Jam 2. So clearly this is taking place in 2021, 2022. Um, And I think they're sort of playing off the idea of, you know, some of these characters, like like I think, you know... um, Randall Park's character and and Melissa's character sort of having that irreverence for Blockbuster. And then we've got some of these younger characters coming in with their TikTok generation of like, why are we even doing this when we could literally just click a button and watch all these movies? Um, So I think they're they're obviously going to be playing off that comedy, which is a good substitute. But I will say, yeah, if you haven't checked out that documentary about um, Sandy Harding, who runs the last Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, this does not look like it takes place in Bend, Oregon, or around that family. But if you ever get a chance to watch that documentary, it's so incredible. It's so wholesome. And honestly, Kevin, and I think we said this when we first talked about that documentary on this podcast, but when are we going to get that road trip? You know, speaking of road trips, let's go to Bend, Oregon. You said it yourself. You wanted to get yourself a a fresh blockbuster case. I'm sure we could get one from them. Um, They also give out uh, membership cards. You can get official blockbuster memberships oh, it'd be from so them. nice I, I i'm always jealous when somebody tweets that they still have oh, the last one they got in their wallet so and it's like dope. oh how did i not keep something like i keep everything and how did i not keep my last blockbuster card so cool so like i hope this show maybe also does a, a good thing for them as well i would love to see it elevate the the brand and the brand awareness and pick it back up and people share tiktoks of it and be like oh i wish i could go to blockbuster again and then it becomes a viral sensation so that we can get that blockbuster more business i mean dude again we're talking about it with such a reverence and we we love it so much that it blows my mind that there wouldn't be some some attempt at a resurgence of a blockbuster whether that you know maybe even make it like one of the h&m stores um you know here where it's just like or sorry hmv stores not h&m <laughs> H&M's a clothing <laughs> brand. HMV stores, right? Like, like make it like, a, you know, you can buy your, your Blu-rays, you, your DVDs, your collections here and make it like almost like an, a, a store built on nostalgia. Sell Funko Pops. I don't care. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, I think they have something there to, to really bring back. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I yeah, I do. love that idea. So it's not so much about renting movies, no. uh, but, it, but it's a, it's a. It's a, a place to buy movie merchandise that reminds you of your childhood, reminds you of, you know, that nostalgia. That'd be that's that's a brilliant idea. Come and, on. Uh, you know, let's let's see if somebody capitalizes on that. But okay. uh, I think it's time uh, to hang up the banjo for this week as we wrap up trailer time and move right into Whatcha. Now, Whatcha is obviously where we like to share uh, shows or games or movies or things we're reading that we don't quite cover in our traditional uh, movie reviews or watch clubs. Uh, and so I will start with you, Dars. What you up to these days? Uh, well, like Nate mentioned earlier, this podcast, and you've mentioned, you mentioned a couple of pod, uh, twigs ago, I too have gotten into Welcome to Rexham. So it's a third geek uh, recommendation from this side because, Ooh. again, such a heartfelt documentary series. It's really about the people that the the town the the club is based in in the town and stuff like that so it's very very enjoyable but uh, other than that uh, I've also been catching up on some hot D some House of the Dragon and man Whoa. I am really glad I waited to binge that show because that show is so bingeable oh yeah yeah, yeah. Darcy th- that and correct me if if I'm wrong on this but I almost like the pacing more 
than Game of Thrones in the sense of like I think Game of you wouldn't have House of the Dragon without Game of Thrones. I totally understand that. Of course, yeah. yeah. But as a Game of Thrones fan, watching this and being like, wait, we get this already? Wait, we get this moment like a week after getting the setup for it is so rewarding as they do those time jumps. And I think the time jumps were such a a good call for, for this series. So good. And a lot of that is coming from the source material, I think, because as Kevin can as probably or can remember from us reading or listening to that book, uh, a lot of it is just talking about the major events that happen and sometimes skipping five or six years at a time just to get to the next big event. And that, again, is the big draw to this series is that you're focusing on these pivotal moments in the Targaryen history that set up for this huge clash. And it's it's so enjoyable. So, yeah, I'm late to the party, but I'm loving every second of it now. Well, and you know what I really like about it? Because uh, I follow quite a few Twitter accounts that sort of cover the show. One in particular that um, even before the show came on talked a lot about the book. And they've, they've gone on the record to say, listen, we're not going to talk about any spoilers from the book while the show's on. We'll just sort of catch up on what we know from the book based on the episode that just recently aired. Um, but no, a lot of these people on Twitter seem to have issues with any time the show deviates from the book a little bit. And I kind of like it because while that book is actually just written by maesters and it could be their interpretation mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. events based on their biases, based on who they were actually supporting, I, I, I'd like to think the show is the, the genuine the true, account yeah. of what happened and we're just getting that true story now. And so anybody who's, who's you know, you, you get purists all the time who, if you stray one word from the book, they get upset. But no, I think this show is doing a remarkable job. I think uh, the only issue I have with it was that they didn't uh, age up, um, oh, what's his name? He's the new Joffrey. He's just the worst. Chris, Chris uh, Kristen Cole. Yeah, he's, he's the worst character <laughs> on this show. I hate him. And I just think it... it, it it was harder to accept the time jumps because he just looks the same, and we've right. we've now had him on our screen for like over twenty years, and he looks the same. That's that would literally be the only thing I could complain about um, from the show. I think it's wonderful. Uh, I'd love to talk more about it once it wraps up uh, yeah. on the podcast. So I think we will. maybe keep your your eyes and ears uh, open for something that we might do to sort of recap that first series. Uh, but we were talking uh, at breakfast today about how depressing it is that after the episode on Sunday, we don't get more Hot D or House of the Dragon until 2024. Oh, that is just oh. a miserable mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. It's a long that wait. That is depressing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, how long did we wait between Game of Thrones and Hot D? What was that? I mean, yeah, but that was that was after the completion of something, and that would right. have been 2019. So that was yeah. three years, but that was again the completion of something. Not, I have a feeling based on where they are in the story, they're only going to start the major events that they've been working mm-hmm. up to, and then go right. see in a couple of years, guys. Yeah. Uh, so that is thank thankfully, as we constantly discuss on the show, there will be lots to to keep oh, us entertained. And we'll have last of us, Kevin. We're gonna have the last of us. And yes, there be we go. Okay. Absolutely. Yes, as long as there's one good HBO show without more than a month or two in between, <laughs> then I'm happy. As long as then I have that okay. HBO show to look forward to. Uh, Nate, how about yourself? What you up to these days? What's funny you mention HBO shows. I think this show uh, is something that I I would put up there with the quality of uh, of an HBO show. Um, it is, I believe it's a Hulu series, and you can access it through Crave through stars, um, but it was one that a friend of mine, she recommended at work, uh, and it's called Rami, and uh, it is absolutely 
incredible. Um, it is basically, uh, it follows a first-generation American Muslim uh, man named Rami, who's on a spiritual journey in a politically divided New Jersey neighborhood. And so the idea behind it is that it it focuses very much on like the fact that he's a millennial and he's, you know, millennials are going to millennial and they're going to do things that are maybe not as morally sound or what their parents might want. And uh, meanwhile, it also looks at him trying to explore his faith uh, at the same time. And dude, it's it's absolutely fantastic like just the way that it i think we talked about um the miss marvel feeling like it was the um standard for what cultural representation should be with that with that specific culture and this is right up there with it um it is it's i've learned so much by watching the show and it it's not the kind of show that holds your hand or sort of um even plays towards more of a western audience it just gives you this character's life and um, I mean, if you are, you know, for our Marvel fans, Mae Callumway, uh from Moon Knight fame, uh, she's in it. She plays the sister. She's fantastic. And I think the coolest thing about the show is even though it's called Rami, it focuses on his entire family. And so we see an episode, you know, with Dina, his sister. We see an episode with Farouk, his dad, or with his mom, Mesa, um, or his uncle, Nassim. And we get to follow them through their journeys in sort of living in the United States and I think one of the most um, interesting feelings is watching the show and you get like a blend of lovely moments, cringe moments where you feel like you're like, I don't know if I could be watching this right now, uh, as well as moments of kind of comedic sadness. Like it's such a weird feeling because you're laughing and the characters on screen, like the way it's written, you're like, yeah, it's meant to be laughed with. But then you you sit back for a second and you just kind of go, oh, man, yeah, that is actually really awful that that either happened or is happening uh, at this time in our world. And so it's just a it's a wonderful show. I highly, highly recommend it. Season two, Mahershala Ali is in it and it blew my mind. He is so phenomenal. Anyways, I can't say enough things about it. I highly, highly recommend uh, watching Rami uh, on uh, on Hulu. Well, yeah, because I was going to ask if it leaned more towards comedy or drama, uh, and I'm seeing that it's been nominated for three Emmys, Mm -hmm. uh, all under the comedy series umbrella, uh, including Mahershala Ali for his his performance there. So uh, definitely sounds worth checking out. Yeah, man. And Rami Youssef won a Golden Globe for Best Actor for the series. Like, he's... It's just one of those things where I, I, I again, it reminds me a lot of like when when Dave came into my life uh, from FX, right? And I'm just like, where has this show been all my life? Um, <laughs> th- we know we're three seasons in with the third season just dropped in uh, September. So definitely, definitely check it out. Kevin, whatcha? Uh, so I uh, have also been streaming a show, uh, but not on HBO, not through Hulu. It's actually on Apple TV. Uh, the show is The Patient, uh, oh, which yeah, is a dude. psychological thriller starring Steve Carroll and Domhnall Gleeson. Um, yeah, it's currently airing on Apple TV. I believe we have the the final episode coming out next week. So uh, it's all, all but uh, wrapping up now. Uh, you know, really interesting just in that, A, the episodes are about 20 minutes. 
So you just sort of you start an episode, and before you know it, it's over. Uh, mm-hmm. I have to say, it's just there's just such a realistic sense of dread and fear that I get from this show. It just it feels real. Steve Carell is just a powerhouse in everything he does these days. He's so good in that, and Domhnall Gleeson is just oh, it's. It's weird how he, you could see how he'd be charming and how people wouldn't know what he's like, you know, in real life. But then he's just terrifying when he's with Steve Carell. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really interesting concept. I've really been enjoying it um, and, and can't wait to see how it all sort of wraps up. Is either of you guys watching that one at all? Yeah, I've been following it. I, th- I think it's because I've been watching it through Disney Plus. So I didn't know if it was on Apple TV Plus as well. Um, but I've been I've been binging it on there and watching it all the way through, um, you know, week to week now. And it's it's interesting because I think there's moments in the show where it starts to kind of lose me a little bit where I'm just kind of like, oh, it's it feels like it's fizzling out because the concept it, it's it's so sm- it's such a small cast. It all takes place in like a basement, essentially. So the and it's it's mostly two characters at a time talking. So it's one of those things where it's just like. It starts to kind of feel like, okay, like, are they going to get to the resolve here? Are they going to get to the resolve here? And you'll go through maybe one or two episodes that won't feel as satisfying. Uh, and then something's going to pop in a, in another episode. And I'm really looking forward to the finale. I do really hope that they can give a, a satisfying conclusion because I know that they're probably going to want to do a season two. And so, like, it, I just don't I don't know how they can write it so that it it still allows for a season two but then is satisfying at the same time um i just i i really hope it ends up working out because again as you're saying kevin the performances between steve and domnall are just unbelievable like he's especially domnall gleason is just so phenomenal in this role and it's one of those things where again we're used to seeing him again in more charming situations so it's like wait he's gonna be the the you know the antagonist for this series but yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm very intrigued to see where they go with it. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's where the 20 minute episodes work is that mm. they don't spend too long on any particular event that's taking place between the two, uh, and so I think that does work to keep it a bit shorter. Uh, but I'm totally with you in that. Uh, at least for myself, I would like to see it a one and done. I wish, yeah. you know, some networks just had the courage to sort of do that, to just say, listen, this is the story we want to tell. It's one season, uh, and then we're just going to move on. And I think a show like this, where the production budget can't be that big, mm-hmm. it almost allows it so that you're not going, well, we built all these elaborate sets. We need to keep using them. We need to find ways to keep telling this story. No, tell your story, and and let's just move on after a satisfying ending. And I think this is a show that if you haven't watched or started it yet, maybe just wait. Wait till it wraps up and binge the whole thing. You could do it in in like two and a half hours. It's yeah. basic. You could basically watch it like a movie, and I almost preferred that I yeah. had done that rather yeah. than waiting week, week to, to week. week for. There for were moments where minutes. I was just like, yeah, I was just like, I don't know, I don't know if that was enough for me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I know, I agree, yeah. uh, and I will just correct myself. It is indeed on Disney Plus. Okay. Uh, I think I did a little. Um, uh, morning show, Steve Carell. I got a little confused there, folks. <laughs> yeah. But no, it is on Disney Plus. Another one of those. That's on Disney Plus, man. <laughs> right? they just, 
<laughs> you can never really expect what to find on there, uh, but there's lots and lots of good stuff. All right, well, that is it for This Week in Geek. Thank you for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this week's news, you can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's a bit too much like a musical and you prefer your movies without a constant barrage of dancing and singing like me, hit us up on Twitter at GeekcentricYT and Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric. As always, we have plenty of awesome content to check out. Justin and I attended the Black Adam Rocks Canada event, and uh, we have our recap of all the awesome stuff that went down, plus our spoiler-free review of the movie. Uh, Also, it's Watch Club season. We have concluded our Watch Club for the Disney Plus series She-Hulk Attorney at Law and have our second installment for Disney Plus's Andor coming soon. Uh, In addition, Darcy and I were able to check out the Clerks 3 Convenience Tour event, uh, where we got to see the final chapter in the Clerks trilogy as well as got a chance to do a little meet and greet photo op with kevin smith himself so stay tuned for our thoughts on that plus we have just a plethora of awesome interviews with the cast and crews of some of the biggest and best movies and tv shows to come your way over this last year you can check those out wherever you listen to podcasts or if you want to see our infectious smiles and those are the people we were fortunate enough to talk to check those out at youtube.com slash geek centric plus just like the show you just listened to we have our weekly this week in geek show where we look at all the latest news and trailers from the geekiverse and i mean there's just so much more to check out so please do so and leave us a review so we know what you thought but until next time thanks again for joining us and as we say love ya get home safe guys laters